the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, the station, or its advertisers. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline. Very beautiful day here in the Bay Area. You and I have two hours to work through the issues of the day as uh, human beings, as uh, citizens of the planet, as citizens of this nation we call America, and as citizens of the kingdom of God, if you are of such heritage. I definitely want to welcome you again. The Monday edition of Lifeline, it happens to be March 6, 2023. March 6, 2023. I'll give you the number. I'm going to sprinkle your thoughts, baptize you for a while, immerse you. Um, Rantizo, baptizo, you guys know the terms. They've been fighting words for Protestants for hundreds of years, maybe even thousands. Now, um, uh, just around uh, the movements of our world and and what we should know and and uh, how to begin to to move towards a, a better stance in relationship to a lot of the stuff that's going on in our society. I'm going to read a portion of scripture out of Revelation chapter 17. Uh, try not to spend any lengthy time unpacking it, but I will make an application. I uh, hold a, a largely historical interpre- interpretation of the book of Revelation. I am not, as most of you guys know, a premillennial dispensationalist. Uh, I do not believe everything in the book of Revelation is totally future, with the exception of the return of Christ to straighten out everything and establish his eternal kingdom. I believe the book of Revelation has application from the first century all the way to now, and in many cases, a sound interpretation of the book of Revelation cannot be done without uh, serious access to history. I'm in Revelation chapter 17, and this is what John says over in verse 9. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits, and there are seven kings, five are fallen. And one is and another is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seventh. And he will go into major destructive behavior. This is John telling the church of his day what to expect politically and therefore also religiously, which is what is meant to be a prophet. A prophet speaks for God. 
He speaks from God, about God, and about what matters to God. And John is saying to the church, you need to look around because things will begin to occur politically, socially, spiritually, and you need to be aware of these things. He goes on to say, verse 12, and the 10 horns which you saw are 10 kings which have received no kingdom as of yet, but shall receive power as kings one hour, uh, but shall receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind. These have one mind, one goal, one plan, one objective, one world, one government, one authority, one top-down, tyrannical expression and, and, and objective to to control the masses. But ultimately, as John says, these have one mind and shall give their power unto the beast. So the beast will be an existential monstrosity of a system to which these kings, which are uh, representative of kingdoms, as Daniel tells us in chapter seven of Daniel, They shall give all their authority to a beastly system that has the potential power for controlling the masses of the world. Now, if that doesn't get your attention, we know that you are asleep because everyone that I talk to, saved, unsaved, atheist, agnostic, theist, believer, you know, pluralist, whatever, knows that there is a growing neo-Babylonian Tower of Babel seeking to establish a unilateral and universal dominion over humanity. And many of us have been very much aware of the uh, insult of this tyrannical power for years now. We are warned by John that that would take place and ultimately it would be an attack on what Jesus represents, constitutes and uh, and uh, situates himself to be. And that is Lord over all. Verse 14 says, these shall make war with the lamb. There it is. The conflict that's going on in our world is spiritual. It works itself out politically. And the ground manifestation is social. It's spiritual. It's political. It's social. It's theological. It's psychological. It's very pragmatic. It's economic. It is uh, psychological. It is political. It is sociological. It is theological. It's ecclesiastical. All of these are players in this conflict of uh the global agenda that is seeking to exercise a kind of domination over God's world, utilizing a beast, a system, a power, an entity, not a person, a beast, not an an individual, but a system that will have the ability to actually take on the personification of a monarch, a king, a, a trans monarchical kingdom, a dominion by which it will exercise so much control, so much influence. Governments won't matter. Governments won't have much to do but comply with it. And that's exactly what John is intimating here, where the kings uh, feel as if they are going to secure their own destiny. They must then yield to and give all their authority, all their policies, all their rule, all their dominion, all their, their, their assets and resources to this beast. And this beast for us in the 21st century is becoming very clearly something of an, a massive trans 
powerful system of absolute control, surveillance, and dominion over all people. It is the epitome of your artificial intelligence system that we recognize as sort of on an unavoidable clash with humanity to actually exercise dominion over it. Everybody knows this internally. You know it. You are way too intimately involved with um, some of its assets, your phone, um, your computer, uh, your job. Um, all of the different uh, necessary institutions we deal with, medical, uh, financial, um, even even religious. Um, These systems are an integrated body of technology with the objective of constant 24-hour surveillance and levels of input into our life that amount to control. We know that this is the case. It's absolutely so. The thing that's really difficult for for most people is being able to understand the emissaries and the uh, the um, the different uh, parties that are operating under the authority of the system in this world. The difficulty for most people today is understanding the dialectical process, the conflict theory, the neo-Marxist conflict theory of uh, pro-con, left-right, conservative-liberal, um, woke ideology versus uh, what we would call traditional uh, conservative slash uh, traditional liberal values. All of these are dialectical um, oppositional entities that play a role in the conflict that um, simply by time until this trans beastly uh, entity has usurped and has acquired and ascertained all of the necessary authority, power and dominion to simply start speaking up and uh, and telling the world this is how it's going to be, whether you like it or not. You guys know we're moving into that direction and it's happening right in front of you. And uh Tenets of its of its power have been being exercised for quite some time now in our world, and just recently at the level of the bio um, medical um, utilitarian um, surveillance state control. In the name of a pandemic, we we know that this has been going on. Now you've gotten a little bit of an opportunity to kind of sense the ubiquitousness of it, how it is integrated in your media, integrated in your government, integrated in your uh, financial system. That's going to be even more significant over the next year or two, integrated in your politics. Uh, I'm going to be talking to you about the uh, coming up elections because I I, I think it's good for you to, to know kind of how that's going to be staged. They're already seeding your mind with ideas about who's going to run and, and really hoping that you fall back into the same old patterns of behavior when it comes to kind of mind emptied, um, almost uh, robotic response to I am a liberal. I am a conservative. I am a Democrat. I am a Republican. They're hoping that you are. Um, that uh, that low a threshold of a thinker that you just simply fall back lockstep into that into that model as if that will actually be our deliverance. But I'm going to talk to you at, at length about that and three or four more other things as well. The number is one triple eight three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Remember, no matter what the label is. If it's fundamental tenets, it's ideology, if it's mechanisms basically undermine and oppose the person and work of Christ, the word of the living God, the one true and living God, we know 
that it is part of the Antichrist system. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. You can give me a call again, one 367 5329 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We're back at the time, 520 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Glad to have you with us. Um, I'm going to continue to seed your thoughts with some history, theology, um, uh, very, very important fundamental principles that, that constitute what Solomon said. There's nothing new under the sun. That which has been is and that which is to be even that has already been talking about the cyclical patterns of humanity as it struggles down the teleological path of history. This is the way that uh, Frederick uh, William Hegel's put his dialectical process before it was taken up by Karl Marx and turned into a, a materialistic dialectic by which he was able to interpret the conflict of what is being done today in your world by the neo-Marxists who are nothing but uh, distractions for what's really going on at the larger uh, global level. And many of you know that. I mean, they're a problem. They need to be dealt with. The woke folk need to be dealt with. The DIEers need to be dealt with because they are a distraction. They are a kind of a sideshow battle that we we have to actually deal with. But that is a distraction to the extent that every second of the day we're dealing with larger global alliances that are strategically and significantly amassing to themselves the kind of power, control, and um, artificial intelligence mechanisms that um, at a certain point in time you can talk, but the only thing that you're going to have at your hopeful disposal is a real God that can intervene. It will be it will be tantamount to what was going on in the days of Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishio, and Azariah, when Neb presented an image of himself to the uh, rulers at that time uh, that were bowing the knee to him and calling him God. Uh, they all felt like there was no way out. They all felt like uh, if they bowed to him, life would be easier. This here is the trap of convenience that you and I are dealing with. Um, but but what we all know today is what Orson Welles had plainly taught. H.G. Uh, Wells had plainly taught uh, would, would, would begin to occur, and that is called an open conspiracy. And the way John put it, he put it this way in Revelation chapter 17, 8. The beast that was, that you saw was, in other words, John is saying to his first century listeners, his auditors, the beast that you and I saw was, he has his, his mark on history. He's not presently operating. John says, look back to history. History will teach you what? The present. And the present will show you what? The future, because the future is also always history restructured. That's what Solomon meant when he said that which is has been and that which is to be even that has already been a cyclical restructuring, reforming, if you will, um, of history uh, in, in order to continue uh, its limited objective of usurping the authority of God. John says the beast that you saw was and is not. Now, what John was letting his saints know was this. The beast that you saw exercising massive predatorial governance over human beings, killing them at will, controlling them at will, um, 
even forcing them to receive the mark of the beast at will. John was talking about what was happening in his own day um, as the historical interpretations would, would lay it down concerning the Roman Empire forcing people to receive a, a number and a seal or they could not buy and sell. This is not some new data, new information, new modality only occurring in our time. Every government numbers its people. Um, this is exactly what Hitler was doing with everybody, especially the Jews. Every government numbers its people in order to have a real assessment as to how many people they are and how effective they can control them. You're going to always have uh, a numerical equation in politics at that level. Numbers are everything in that regard. Don't be afraid of numbers. Be afraid of the intent behind the numbers. And so it says the beast that you saw was and is not. That is, he is not presently manifesting himself. He is not exercising open tyranny. This is what we mean by conspiracy. Conspiracy are plots by many to exercise power, influence, control, or do something of which they know that if people knew it before they did it, that they would not approve of it. And that goes on every day in your life on a micro level and on a macro level. So stop being preconditioned like Pavlov's dogs to be afraid of the term conspiracy. Uh, Conspiracies happen everywhere, good and bad. And governments function out of conspiracy because they know their policies would never, ever be accepted by rational, reasonable, logical, brave human beings if they were simply put on the table to be discussed. They must exercise conspiratorial mechanisms and and modalities of operation in order to actually implement these things in uh, under the color of uh, stress or crisis or urgency um, and sometimes just slip them in in the middle of the night when you're not watching. But John says the beast that was and is not shall ascend up out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. Now that phraseology is speaking to the emergence of a creature, a system, an entity that's already there. We're not waiting for him to emerge. He's already there. You've heard this in the Christian church for decades, have you not? The Antichrist is already around. Well, he's been around since the first century. John said it in 1 John chapter 2, 18. Even now, there are many Antichrists going out into the world. It's just whether or not you are foolish or prudent enough not to waste a whole lot of time pinning the uh, tail on the wrong donkey or elephant if you will, or whatever country or person that you want to do that to, because it's not a person, it's a system. Now, even the church would love you to think it's a person, but it's not. It's a system much bigger than a person. Like Satan is a a, a personal creature, a personified creature, as is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they both operate kingdoms and their kingdoms are the larger global expression uh, and real presence and powers in the world. So it's not just It's not just a person that you're dealing with. He's Satan uh, is completely fine with operating through maniacal uh, governments and and, uh, godless uh, nations and rulers, godless governors. That's what he does. That's really the battle that's going on here. In a minute, as I told our congregation at the end of my preaching on on Sunday, uh, what you and I are going to be facing is a transhumanistic system of artificial intelligence. And that is no hidden conspiracy. That's wide out in the open. You know it is. 
And uh, and, and I love the way or uh, Mr. Wells put this as he talked about it. I want you to hear this and tell me how eerily, how eerily um, familiar is this language to you and me as we just think think about it. Now, he wrote this in 1933. He says in his second chapter on the open conspiracy, he says, it seemed to me that all over the world, intelligent people were waking up to the indignity and absurdity. I love both of those words of being endangered, restrained and impoverished by a mere uncritical adhesion to traditional governments, traditional ideas of economic life and traditional forms of behavior, and that these awakening intelligent, awakening intelligent people must constitute first a protest and then a creative resistance to the inertia that was stifling and threatening us. Did you hear what he said? The people I imagine would say first, we are drifting. We are doing nothing worthwhile with our lives. Our lives are dull, stupid, and not good enough. Then they would say, what are we to do with our lives? And then let us get together with other people of of sort of our sort and make over the world into a great world civilization that will enable us to realize the promise and avoid the danger of this new time. Now, what he's describing is how these arrogant, pompous, airhead in, in many ways, demonically controlled leaders come together uh, malcontented with the situations in our world and feeling as if they have the right to change everything, to just sit around and say, "This we're going to make a whole new world. We're going to create a new world order. We're going to have a whole new reset. Now, again, I'm thinking 1933, that was the beginning of Hitler's campaign, campaign of medical cleansing, and it definitely corresponds with where we are today. So if what pro, uh, proceeded from Hitler's medical cleansing was a major world war and then World War II, et cetera, up to where we are today, what can we imagine will be occurring if the precursor to a, another devastating World War conflict is what happened two and a half, three years ago with the COVID thing and the uh, pilot test as to how many people would just walk in lockstep, submit to, um, like he's saying here, in an airhead way, undiscerningly, uh, you know, cower to the government. Uh, how much more so in a day where artificial intelligence has the ability to actually lock out our financial institutions, lock out our um, access to travel, lock out our access to uh, to food and commerce at just a notice from the government? You see what I'm saying? I know it sounds uncomfortable, but it's very important for you and I to think this through. Now, I'm going to come back from the break. I'm going to continue reading a bit more of what Wells has presciently and prophetically laid out about why it is that you and I need to wake up and uh, and recognize what's taking place so that uh, we might arise, move and go and avoid at least a blindsiding from the next set of events that I think will be transpiring in at least in the next couple of years when it comes to the election of uh, our presidency here in uh, 2024 and 25. The Monday edition of Lifeline, two lines open, one 367 one I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. 
Indeed, we're back. The time is 535 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. One line open, one 367 Let me continue seeding your mind with the uh, insight of uh, Mr. Uh, Wells as he uh, lays out um, the machinations. You and I saw them, the machinations of uh of the of, of the powers of the world, he says, they said, let us come together with other people of sort and make over the world into a great world civilization that will enable us to realize the promise and avoid the dangers of this new time. It seems to me that as one after another, we woke up. Uh, that is that we would be saying it amounted to a protest first mental and then practical. It amounted to a sort of unpremeditated and unorganized conspiracy against the fragmentary and insufficient governments and the widespread greed, appropriation, clumsiness, waste that are now going on. But unlike conspiracies in general, this widening protest and conspiracy against established things would, by its very nature, go on in the daylight and it would be willing to accept participation and help from every quarter. It would in fact become an open conspiracy, a necessary naturally evolving conspiracy to adjust our dislocated world. Now, I, I kind of get what what he is saying here, what Mr. Wells is saying. Maybe you don't. When you uh, when you look at the disgruntled and dysfunctional systems of our world, you have two two options it seems to me you might want to add more, but two fundamental responses. One is you can become disgruntled like your neo-Marxists are and want to tear up everything and assert that you have a better way of going about it. You may do, but but don't tear up everything and certainly don't think you can just because you're mad about what's going on. You're just going to buy divine fiat. Tell us what you're going to do. Uh, this is what he's warning about. This is your present uh, neo-Marxist World Economic Forum system. This is your Council for Foreign Relations. This is your uh, Club of Rome. This is your G20. This is your Davos. This is all of the folks I've told you about for several years. They gathered together in open conspiracy, telling you what they're going to do and not asking you about it. Here's how he says we have to clear and clean up our minds if we're going to address this fundamentally open conspiracy um, with intellectual truth or with an intellectual rebirth. Now, what Mr. Wells is talking about briefly is the fact that the citizens on the ground are not prepared for such a battle because we've gotten too lazy in our capacity to think well, and we've gotten too vulnerable to comfort and um, leisure for us to be willing to suffer for what we believe. He says human thought is still very much confused by the imperfection of the words and other symbols it employs. And the consequences of this confused thinking are much more serious and extensive than is commonly realized. Man, I can stop and talk about the intentional confusing of our languages and our meaning and our definitions and our culture in order to continue to demoralize human beings from having any conviction on the grounds of absolute truth. Did that make some sense to you? If everything is relative, if everything is uh, your view is yours and mine is mine, and there is absolutely no such thing as absolute truth, there's no way you're going to get a society to fight for 
what they would consider what's right, because there's no right and wrong if there's no truth. And we've been playing this silly, postmodern, irrational game of fantasy definitions for so long. It has rotten. It has it has wrought the decomposition of the soul of man at the level of him being fearful and compliant to the government when it exercises a bit of power. And that's exactly where the neo-Marxists want you compliant to the power, because that's the argument of the postmodernists. There's no such thing as truth, just power. And what Mr. Wells says is because we don't think well, and you and I talk about this all the time. He says thinking clearly and effectively does not come by nature. Hunting the truth is an art. Getting at the truth is an art. We blunder naturally into a thousand misleading generalizations and false processes. We blunder naturally into a thousand misleading generalizations and false processes. You can take both of those terms, false methodologies of assessing what's right and misleading generalizations. I often call them overgeneralizations because we don't labor hard enough to distinguish the wheat from the chaff to know what the truth is. Yet there is hardly any intelligent mental training done in the schools of the world today. You know our secular systems are full of this rhetoric that has no pursuit of what's right, wrong, good, bad, true or false. We have to learn this art if we are to practice it at all. Our school teachers have had no proper training themselves. They miseducate by example and precept. And so it is that our press and current discussions are more like impromptu, riot or crippled and uh, are, 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 are more, more, more or less. I'm sorry, let me go back and, and restate that. We have to learn this art if we are to practice it at all. Our school teachers have had no proper training themselves. They miseducate by example and precept. And so it is that our press and current discussions are more like an impromptu riot are crippled and deaf blind minds that, an in, that uh, rather than an intelligent interchange of, of ideas. What Bosch one, what Bosch one reads, what rash and imprudent assumptions, what imbecile infer, uh, inferences take place in most discussions today. Now, you know, he's right, even though some of these words are a little bit archaic. You know, he's right. When two people come together, you whether on TikTok or Twitter or whatever the case may be, you give them about two minutes in and it's simply a riot of empty, uh, disjointed, contradictory rhetoric. Nothing hardly is stated with any eloquence, clarity or depth or broadness of understanding the subject matter in such a way that you're so breezed. Finally, somebody knows what they're talking about. Finally, somebody said it like it really is. Um, and what well says is, but re-educating oneself, getting one's mind into health and exercising it and training it to think properly is only the beginning of the task before the awakening of the open conspiracy. He has not only to think clearly, but he has to see that his mind is equipped with the proper general ideas to form a true framework for his everyday judgments and decisions. This is a major task 
in front of us. He's talking about the requisites of a legitimate anti-revolution. Some sort of reckoning, therefore, between people awakened to the new world that dawns about us and the schools, colleges, machinery of formal education is way overdue. As a body, the educated are getting nothing like that account of life which is needed to direct our conduct in this modern world. It is the crowning absurdity in the world today that these institutions should go through a solemn parade of preparing the new generation for life and that then afterwards a minority of their victims finding this preparation has left them almost totally unprepared should have of their own accord to struggle out of our world heap a starved and distorted mind to some sort of real education. He's just simply opining the fact that the present educational system of his day that was 1933, would be inadequate to raise up men and women who are capable of seeing things for what they really are and doing something substantially about it to bring men and women back to a central revelation of the true and the living God and their dignity in him and a world of freedom plus virtue leading to happiness. That's Those are my words, but that is the essence of what he believes and we believe as well without really having a, a solid worldview. And one that really, truly works. All we're doing is abiding our time until tyranny takes over our culture and our world. And this is why so many people don't even want to have these kind of conversations that you and I are having. I'm talking about church folk. They don't want to hear it. Shh, we love Vanity Fair. Shh, we love entertainment. Shh, we love our ease. Don't tell me to think deeply because if I think deeply, I might see something and then I might have a conviction about it. Then I might have to say something about it. And then I might have to suffer for the truth. Well, that's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. And this is what we're dealing with in our world at present. This is why there's so much silence, both in the church and in the world, because people are not willing to think deeply enough for God to open the veil and cause them to see the reality of what's going on in our society. But again, as Mr. Wells said, before I go to the break, then I'll take your calls. He said, it's not enough to re-educate the mind. There has to be a kind of rebirth. And this would be a whole revolution of the soul being brought into a an attitude and a kind of resolve that amounts to what we mean in uh, Christian terms, properly asserted a new man. Uh, created in true holiness and righteousness and compelled by a new nature, informed by the word of God, filled by the spirit of the living God, ready to exercise the Christian virtue of suffering for the truth's sake, because that is what agape love would call us to do. If mankind is going to be set free, he's going to be set free by a truth that is communicated by men and women that are ready to be sacrificial with their lives that it might be brought about. Now, we are way, way way far from that kind of preparation. We need a revival. one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We're back at the time 550 on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We've got 10 minutes before this segment is over. One of the reasons I read to you guys the open conspiracy is because a particular news article, trying to remember the name of it, I'll get it uh, later, uh, exposed a group of emails um, or um, texts, if you will, millions to the tune of millions um, of some of the UK 
some of the UK politicians. I think they were health ministers. One of them, uh, whose name is Matt Hancock, uh, has been exposed for talking to one of his subordinates about the need to bring out the next variant of the COVID uh, virus and start controlling people again. I mean, these are explicit terms that he he was caught uh, in his um, email file. Mr. Uh, Hancock, uh, part of the uh, government as a health minister, you know, equivalent to a, a, a Tony Fauci, was caught talking to one of uh, a couple of his uh, co-workers or subordinates about when will we, as our government, uh, bring about another the crisis, use a variant of the COVID thing. Now that we got people conditioned mentally to um, submit to and launch the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the uh, lockdown measures, when will we bring out this new variant and start this propaganda all over again, all over again, and get people under our control all over again? Now, think about that, ladies and gentlemen. Think about uh, this individual being in control of your life where he feels like he has the right to um, to say what he wants to say uh, in such a way in which, uh, okay, let's get at it. We need to we need to get at this. We need to we need to control people's lives. What what are we taking so long for? Um, see, this is the madness that's going on in our nation, and I got it on very good authority that a lot of our politicians are in the same position, particularly on the left. Yes, this is an open conspiracy, no doubt about it. And they don't care about you knowing as long as they have the power to do what they're going to do, because they actually believe a significant portion of people on the planet don't care uh, whether or not they're, they're lying to us or not. As long as we don't mess with their convenience. As long as we uh, promise them that we'll give them free medical care and promise to give them a free housing and and a check every month, um, we won't own anything, but we'll be happy. Uh, that's what's going on. Let me go to line number uh, two and talk with Wendy from Union City. Line number two. Wendy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. How are you? Good, good, good. So Very good. What's your comment- thoughts? Okay, I have one comment and two questions. So, yes, just like um, you said, the, you know, I, one thing I'm very concerned is that, you know, the American forefathers fought the Revolution War to decouple and from dictators, dictatorship, and they decentralized uh, political power. So as an immigrant, I, I really have great concern in seeing how political leaders are working with, you know, all aspects uh, in the private sectors to digital, digitalize and centralize all our data from health election to even banknotes now. So I, I know that this is you know, anti-American and this is godless. And by the way, who controls the um, the algorithm from all these centralized digital data, right? And um, so uh, that, that's my comments about um, what, what, what I've seen. So the, the question I have right now is because um, our state, county, and, you know, WHO are implementing new policies from what they have learned from the last, uh, this COVID pandemic response. Sure. And I know it's quite contrary to what the biblical principle teacher, uh, taught us to quarantine the sick, not the healthy. Right. And even, you know, Daniel and his friend ha- had the right to refuse, you know, from the Babylonian court. Sure. And God never forced anyone to believe in Jesus. So my question is, how should uh, your church leaders and, you know, God's people get ready for the next, you know, uh, godless mandates that are coming from all sides, telling us, 
do do whatever. And that's right. question number one. Right. And that's one. Is, Gordon, what's two? Okay. Question number two is that, yes, you know, the sky is so blue and beautiful, that, you know, like right after the rain that I couldn't ignore to see what I saw last Thursday. So my question is, why do some planes feel white substance that going all directions and that lingers and dissipates yet do not evaporate like condensation? Right. I saw so that I last think- Thursday and I was qualified. All right, so you can take them offline. Uh, I think you're leading me. I think you already know. We started talking about it last week. So I'll, I'll start with the second question first, and it has to do with the next big propaganda lie, and it's called climate control. If people listen to my preaching, you will hear me expound the scriptures, warn the wicked of his evil ways, encourage the saints to come up out of their sleep and exalt Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the, my hermeneutic. It's explain the text, warn the wicked, exhort the saints to come up out of their sleep and then exalt Christ. That's what I do. And I make sure that I map the text of scripture onto our culture because there's no way to understand the culture without understanding it through a biblical lens. And uh, and I, I talked about this two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, I closed my message out about what the Bible clearly lays out are planned famines, plan uh, control of the atmosphere, plan uh, control of the ecology. Now that we have the technology to seed our clouds with all kind of metals, we can make it rain. We can make it snow. We can uh, we can canopy our um, uh, regional areas, which is what's going on. Um, geoengineering.org, geoengineering.org. Um, wonderful, wonderful uh, admirals and and, uh, and and generals and commanders who have been part of the DOD coming out because they love humanity has been warning for decades of, uh, of the contamination of our society, the contamination of our soil, the contamination of our food, which gets into both the economic element that is called the uh, black horse with the scales in Revelation 6. That is famine. And Jesus taught us that. I told you guys this many times over. He says there will be wars and rumors of wars. And because of that, there will be uh, famines and pestilence and, and earthquakes in diverse places. Now, he didn't get into the AI, but he laid the foundation of it in those texts of scripture. The four horsemen ride simultaneously. The gospels to be preached into all the world so that men and women can repent and be delivered from this Babylonian system and its curses. So today we are dealing with looking at the uh, geo uh, um, engineering of our atmosphere. This is not new. The military has been working on this since the times of Hitler. And this, too, is not something that is hidden. If you want it, email me, gbchayward at gmail.com. I'll send it over to you. I'm utterly surprised at how long men and women have been fighting the battle of uh, the corruption of our ecology. Again, uh, Aaron Broderick. Uh, the uh, the the person behind the movie where she was exposing the government, Monsanto's, and all of them for corrupting our, our our crops and soils. She's once again saying, "Hey, something happened very fishy. This is not new in East Palestine, East Palestine, um, Ohio." Um, around the world, we're seeing all this. And again, if you want to see it for yourself, gbchayward at gmail.com, gbchayward at gmail.com, I will pass it on to you. And so far as our uh, churches are concerned, expect them to ultimately be silent. 
The answer is given in Isaiah chapter three. Women will rule over you and children will be your oppressors. You don't have men in the pulpits today. They, they're entertainers. Uh, they are emotional counselors. Um, they are um, exegetes of irrelevant subject matter that does not have the important prophetic or priestly component of really calling men and women to repentance and faith in Christ. You'll find all through the Bible that God supports his prophets after that he has warned the world so long, uh, the prophet that is, against the evils of society where God's passive judgments allow men and women to be wicked And then God's act of judgment brings consequences because we are wicked. And then finally, God brings a decisive intervention judgment to create a reset. And that is probably what we're headed to, ladies and gentlemen, if if Mr. Wells is right. We're headed to a reset. The issue simply will be what part of history you and I will be playing. Will we be passive, stick our head in the sand and go see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil? Or will we be part of the heritage of free men and women who are committed to truth claims in a way in which uh, we can dignify our God and dignify uh, our Imago Dei and, and, and people that love truth? Um, I don't expect the church to do anything in the next two years when the next crisis comes crashing down. As I just stated, Mr. Hitch, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Hancock said, let's do it again. Let's do it again quickly. And I'm sure Gavin Newsom would be more than happy to um, decree another lockdown because of uh, the manufactured, synthetically employed climate crisis that has been happening uh, at extreme levels over the last several years, whether it's fires all over the world, whether it's tornadoes, whether it's bizarre uh, anomaly of weather, whether um, any of these things that we know have um, had the possibility of Harpa and other um uh, again, uh, defense uh, uh, technology being employed to 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 create the appearance of Mother Nature, if you will, uh, just acting up, uh, and we can't do anything about it. And we got to have FEMA and all these other institutions come in and rescue us. This is a big Truman story, a very big Truman story, and you don't have to believe it. Um, like Mr. Wells said, it's happening right in front of your eyes. And as uh, Mr. Um, Yuri Bismanov put it in his um, warning to America in the 80s, he says, until people have a big boot uh, kicked up their rear, uh, then and then only will they realize what was being told to be the truth for so many years by people that were uh, loving enough and brave enough to tell you something's wrong and you need to be doing something about it now as an individual in order to protect your freedoms. Um, listen, this is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open, one 367 More from yours truly when we come back from this break. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.